The same day, Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and the third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Thank you so much uh, for worshiping with us. You may be seated. As you take your seat, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, this morning we pray that you would speak to us from your word. As we continue to navigate our way through uh, the Gospel of Matthew, we pray that you would give us a clear sense of Christ, of who he is, of what he has accomplished, of what he offers in himself, of the great things he does for his people, of the joy that it is to be called sons of God through Jesus, of the hope that is found in the presence of the Spirit. Lord, would you overwhelm us again with your power and your greatness? Lord, this passage has a rebuke in it. Jesus looks at them and says, You know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. And Lord, when I think about this congregation, when I think about these dear brothers and sisters sitting in this room, our God, would you make us a people who know your power, who know your word, who are transformed by you. Lord, we we plead these things with you, that you would work in this way. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's great to be with you all. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Here at Redeemer, we're studying our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And, and what's going on in the Gospel of Matthew is Matthew, one of the followers of Christ, is giving a clear, articulate, accurate, truthful telling of who Jesus was, what Jesus taught, what Jesus accomplished, such that we would respond to Jesus in faith and follow him. So everything that we just prayed, we're praying, Lord, would you... Help us see Christ, trust in him, follow him. Today, we're 
as we work our way through, we're in the passage which Julie just read for us, Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 23. And what we're going to see is Jesus is being tested again. Last week's passage was a group of people attempting to trap Jesus into dishonoring God's word, discrediting Moses, and Jesus did neither. And so we see another um, trap, attempted trap, and this week's attempted trap is about the resurrection. So um, just like last week's trap, it's not being offered in good faith. It's not a genuine question. It's just an attempt to trap. So we're going to call this week's sermon Resurrecting Bad Questions and Dad Jokes because that was much more funny than the laughter that that received. So, But what's here to be seen is these folks are attempting to trap Jesus. Jesus isn't trapped. He's wiser than, than anything they could put in front of him. But just like the one last week, what he teaches is of vital importance for us. So, so bear with me for a second. We could have taught 15 through 22 like this. They tried to trap Jesus. Jesus, being the Son of God, is too wise for that. Jesus was not trapped. Jesus is the Son of God. That's all true, by the way. That, that's there. We could likewise preach this passage in exactly the same way. But in getting out of those traps... Jesus is actually also teaching important things about his kingdom, important things about his work, and important things about who he is. And so what we want to do is we want to ask ourselves a second question. What's Jesus teaching us that's of vital importance? So what he's teaching is actually about eternal life. It's about um, life and eternity and it's important for us to wrestle through it. So if you want to take notes this morning, another trap set. Another trap set. So it, the passage begins this way. The same day, so the same day as the passage above, Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question. So the goal of the question is to discredit Jesus as a prophet, to discredit Jesus as a leader, and the Sadducees would love it if, in discrediting Jesus, they could elevate themselves. So the same day, literally, we're talking about this, the second trap in a day. You don't have to go to seminary or study Semitic languages to know that day means day and same means same. And we're talking about the same sun up to sundown window. The first question last week's involved taxes and the law. This one is about marriage and the resurrection. So it tells us the Sadducees came to him, and the passage says the Sadducees are those who say there is no resurrection. We need to pause here for a minute because it's going to really influence our understanding later. The Sadducees were a religious group within Judaism that did not believe in resurrection, but I think we need to go a step further. They did not believe in any continuation of life after death, neither body nor soul nor spirit. At death for a Sadducee, existence completely stops. Let me say that one more time. So for a Sadducee, at death, existence completely 
stops. Also, and this is important as well, the Sadducees build their faith and doctrine out of the first five books of what we know as the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So they have a, a, a smaller holy book, and they don't believe in any form of, of life after death. That's what we need to know about the Sadducees. And so they come to Jesus, and they ask him a trick question that sounds like it was a final exam essay in an ethics class. And thankfully for you, I'm not taking the exam, but the Lord is answering the question. And so here is the hypothetical question, not offered in good faith, that's intended to be a trap. Teacher, verse 24 Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. That would be, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 25. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. So let's just pause and make sure we understand. Husband, wife. Death, married to brother, death, married to brother, death, married to brother, death, seven times. Now, wife dies. Now, in our current climate, I think we would be saying, 911, I have an emergency. I have a wife you need to investigate. <laughs> I believe the, the vernacular is black widow, but... Um, But that's not where Jesus goes with this. So the question is, in the resurrection, which by the way, the Sadducees don't believe in, whose wife will she be for they all had her? Now, do you understand the trick that they're trying to play here? They're ultimately trying to ask Jesus an ethical question that he can't answer to get him to side with them that maybe there isn't resurrection after all. They're, they're, they're trying to do two things at once. They're trying to discredit Jesus and in the middle of the temple win points with the Pharisees who thought the Sadducees were wrong. Okay, So they're playing religious games without Twitter in the temple. Okay, So the question is not an honest question. It's a disingenuous attempt at a trap. What they are quoting from is Deuteronomy 25. And the Lord does command the practice that's going on here. But what they don't seem to understand is the purpose of the practice had nothing really to do with eternal life. The purpose of the practice had to do with family lineage, particularly inheritance within um, Israel being passed on rightly. And it had to do with the widowed women being cared for without children or husband to help out in the caring. Now, some of you are like, some of you ladies are like, but I don't need to be cared for. And that's correct. In this climate, 
you are able to care for yourselves. But in that climate, it wasn't possible. And so this, this approach to marriage and giving to the brothers was a, a provision of lineage and care being passed forward. It wasn't about eternal life. But they think they have Jesus trapped. In the resurrection, will she have seven husbands? In the resurrection, what's going to happen here? So they think they have Jesus. Will he deny the resurrection? Or will he say that what Moses taught in Deuteronomy 25 was wrong? And the answer is, Jesus is going to do neither. Okay, He's going to do neither. So here's our trap. What's Christ going to do with the trap? Well, in the previous passage, Christ chose to outwit them and be clever and drive a stake through their heart at the same time. This time, Christ appears to just go for the jugular because he says, well... Verse 29, you are wrong. You know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. So this pushes us to our second point, a strong rebuke, a strong rebuke. Jesus is pulling no punches. He is playing no games. He goes right after them and he says, you're wrong and you're wrong because you don't know the Bible and you don't know the power of God. Now let's just pause for a minute, friends. Can you think of a more scathing rebuke to a religious person? A more scathing rebuke to a Christ follower or someone who claims to represent the people of God than to hear the Son of God say, you don't know the Scripture, and you don't know the power of God? Friends, there is no more scathing rebuke than that. None whatsoever. And so what I've been praying this week, what we prayed a few minutes ago, and what I would encourage you to pray as you come out of this passage Spirit of God, would you work in me such that I know your power and I know you and I know your scripture and I'm not deceived like these Sadducees were? If you lead a community group here at Redeemer, there's prayer point number one for you this week. There's discussion topic number one for you this week. How can we be a people who know God's word and know his power and live our faith through these things. Because we don't know God's power and we don't have his word. We have nothing, quite frankly. We have nothing. And Jesus is going to point out that the, the Sadducees had already given up the farm, so to speak, because they said all we have is this broken life. So if we don't know the scripture, we don't know the power of God, and the best thing the Lord has to offer us is this broken world, we've given it all away, right? 
So Jesus says, you're wrong. But then he goes on to show them how they're wrong. He says, he's gonna, he doesn't say it, but he implies, let me show you how you're wrong. Two things. Number one, this is verse 30. You're wrong because in the resurrection, so Jesus is saying there is resurrection, there is existence and life after physical death. In the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So what Jesus is declaring is that in the resurrection, there is not marriage. That there is a transition from this life to eternity, making eternity far better than the limitations of this life. That transition happens because of the redeeming and restorative power of God and a part of that much better eternal life is that resurrection does not include marriage. I have to admit, I, look, look, let me start it this way. I love the idea of marriage and I love my wife very, 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 very much. We are happily married. Now, this passage has sparked in me all types of fascinating ruminations this week that I'm just not going to lead this conversation into. <laughs> um, but note, resurrection will be filled with God, God's presence, God's people, God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion, full community, full engagement, the fullness of everything that God intends. But yet, Jesus says in the resurrection, the resurrected will not be given in marriage. So Jesus says, your question's wrong out of hand because she won't be married to any of them in the resurrection. Because in the resurrection, there will not be marriage. Second, Jesus says, and as for the resurrection of the dead, you don't know your Bible. You don't know your Bible. Now, there could have been many of places that Jesus could have pointed to highlight resurrection. But again, he wants to teach the Sadducees that the Sadducees don't know the scripture of the Sadducees as well as the Sadducees think they know the scripture of the Sadducees. So, Jesus is going to limit himself to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Thank you for helping me there. You saw the old man brain hesitation there. Liesl, you can shame me later. But we're good. We're good. Thank you. I get closer and closer to 50 by the day. 
Um, so Jesus is going to quote from Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. But this quote, very similar version of this quote, could come from so many places. He says, have you not read what was said to you by God? I'm picking up in verse 32 of Matthew 22. Quoting from Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, now, now stop there. Most of the time, this is how, me included, we, we read that passage. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. We read it like this. I'm the God who always has been. And so I was God of Abraham. I was God of Isaac. I was God of Jacob. That's true because God always has been, always will be, and is unchanging. But actually what Jesus says is, while that's true, you're missing something here. When God revealed himself to Moses much after Abraham, much after Isaac, and much after Jacob, and said, I am currently, present tense, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he was also saying something about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They still exist they still are. They still were in covenant with God. So, so Jesus says, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So just read the Bible and we see that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Because God's people exist with God after physical death. That's the argument that Jesus is making. Now, because I don't want to do plagiarism, I want to give credit where it comes. This is from a man named Richard France. Speaking on Exodus 3, he says, For God to describe himself in relation to the patriarchs who died long ago implies that there is a continuing relationship. God's covenant with his people is not frustrated by death. Friends, that should be a poster that we hang up in buildings. God's covenant with his people is not frustrated by death. God is in covenant with his people today and tomorrow and forevermore. So Jesus looks at the Sadducees and he was like, you're wrong. You're wrong because you don't even understand the scripture that you proclaim to build everything off of. And you're wrong because you don't understand the power. Now, as the scripture goes forward, Jesus is going to die. Then he's going to be raised from the dead and ascend into heaven. So Jesus becomes this forebear who goes first to defeat death, to display power over death, to display hope beyond the grave. And then he says, where I go, you, my people, will be with me also. And then the followers of Jesus, like Paul and Peter and John, are going to be reflecting on this, and they're going to, to build so much of the New Testament argument off this idea that death is not the end, because Jesus is the Lord of the resurrected and the living. They're going to build an argument. Paul, for example, is going to build an argument that says we can trust that Jesus can forgive our sins because Jesus has overcome death. Jesus actually does that 
as well. So, let's ask this question. If I want to take more from this passage than Jesus defeated the Sadducees, what do I take from it? Number one, I want my thoughts about eternity to be biblical thoughts that are consistent with what Jesus and the scriptures say to us. I, I don't want to be rude. I am a little bit cautious. But if you want to hear very, very bad ideas about eternity, do you know where you should go? These people do. They're chuckling. You should go to a funeral. That's where you should go. That's why I never say no to preaching a funeral, because I get an opportunity to let there be one less horrible heaven sermon proclaimed in the world this year. I don't, I don't want to get into all the, the nuts and the bolts of it, but we all, not just Christians, but here in the South, in, in this kind of gospel-saturated, not knowing the power of God reality. There's so much bantered about, about eternity that's just not rooted in the Scripture and it's not rooted in what the Lord has revealed. So I would just say to us, number one, we are people of eternity. Scripture says definitively, if we don't have hope beyond this world, then we are fools but we do but goodness friends let's let that hope and that vision of eternity be rightfully built off what Jesus actually said so here he says they won't be given to marriage in eternity wonder if we have some rethinking in our thoughts about eternity to live out, to carry out, to change. Because as we said last week, if we can't let the words of Jesus shape our faith and shape our practice, then we're no better than the Pharisees. And I would say the same thing today. If we can't let the words of Jesus shape our understanding of eternity, then we're no better than the Sadducees. Second, this passage pushes me to want to desire to know the scripture as it is written. This passage pushes me to desire to know the scripture. What was Jesus' punch to the Sadducees? You don't know the scripture that you just quoted. They quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 25. I wonder, were any of you able, when, they, when we read, when Julie read 
Moses said, if a man dies having no children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Were any of you able in your brain to go Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 6 without looking at the footnote? Anybody? Okay, so on a surface reading, just rote memorization, the Sadducees know the Bible better than you. And yet Jesus looked at them and said, but you don't know the Bible. So friends, everybody who can quote scripture on a surface level might not know the Bible. To know the Bible is to know the writer of the Bible. It's to know the spirit who inspired the Bible. It's to know what the Lord is actually conveying in the scripture. So I hear this rebuke of the Sadducees and I sit solemnly in my living room this week and think, I don't want to be a Sadducee. Lord, would you help me know your word? So minimally, if we want to know his word, we need to take it up and read it. Seems like the Sadducees at least did that. But as we take it up and read it, we need to pray and study and labor to understand what the word's saying and not just what we want it to say. And then we need to pray more. Spirit of God, help me know the scripture. Help me know the scripture. Second. Or, I'm sorry, third. This passage pushes me to have a deep understanding of the power of God. The power of God. Jesus said, you know neither the scripture nor the power of God. Now, that one might not feel as condemning as the don't know the scripture. But friends, understand this. Remember what we read earlier. The word of the cross, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. The power of God is displayed to us in the gospel of Jesus. So to say you don't know the power of God is to say you don't know the redemptive work of Christ. You see, in the gospel, in the work of Jesus, Jesus is taking those who are spiritually dead and making them spiritually alive. There's a spiritual resurrection in becoming a follower of Christ. And he who can bring about physical resurrection also can bring about spiritual resurrection. To know God is to know the power of God. The power of God is on display through salvation. The power of God is on display through conversion. The power of God is on display when sinners turn away from sin and are made new. The power of God is on display certainly in big common grace kinds of events and things that happen in nature, but I believe Jesus here is particularly talking about the power of God to change the heart of man and the power of God to affect making something new out of the old. To me, friends, there is nothing more sober in the world 
than going to a graveside as someone is being laid to rest. And I'd actually encourage you to embrace the sobriety of those moments because they are a grace of God. But then to look there and go, and the scripture says, that will be made alive again. And I have confidence in that power of God. Maybe you're visiting Redeemer today. Maybe you've come here today in such a deep pit of struggle and fear and anxiety that you think, I, I don't know how there's a place for me in the people of God. And what I would say to you is we at Redeemer are a bunch of dead, dry bones who have spiritual life because of the power of God extended through Jesus. And that power of God is available to all who call upon Christ to be saved. So friends, I want you to have a faith that reaches far beyond this world. I want you to have a faith that reaches far beyond this world because you know the scriptures which God has given. And I want you to have a faith that reaches far beyond this world because you know the power of the God who saves sinful people like us all. So now, our Father and our God, we pray that you would take these words from the scripture which you have taught to us and we pray that you would give us deep abiding hope and faith and love in Christ Lord, would you be at work among us? We plead in Jesus' name.